Hi everybody, this is Matt Kirby, and welcome to a brand new episode of Groupie and Harmony, a podcast all about music. Today there are a bunch that I want to talk about, but the big, well, the main topic is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame announced their nominees for this year, and uh, well, it's an interesting combination of artists. So before we get into that, make sure you like the Facebook page for Groupie and Harmony and the blog and you can get updates both the podcast and the blog feeling groupy um next blog post is going to come out because i was originally going to talk about uh who i would vote for for the grammys if i had a grammy vote i'm probably gonna make that a blog post instead but that won't but that will be done after my uh, a blog post i'm working on for my basketball blog is baller trademarked yet be sure to check out the facebook page for that and in the next in the coming days, as soon as I'm done with it, you will have the my trade grades for the NBA trade deadline. I will say this is... I love the trade deadline. Not going to be wrong, but the blog post of the trade grades, that one's, that one's a rough one to write, because especially when you get a trade deadline, that's so chaotic, because this year there were a lot of... Tra- I don't remember how many trades there were on the day of and day before, but there were a lot. So... <laughs> that it gets a little bit tough to uh, write. Uh, to finish, it takes a little while to write the blog post, especially when none of this is my full time job. Um, so, first off, I think probably the first thing we'll start out with a more negative note, I guess. Um, the so um, after I had recorded the last podcast episode. Uh, which was all related to the Grammys for Grammy Week. If most of most of it was done before the Grammys, so if you want, by all means, if you want to check out any Grammy Week stuff, it's still there. Um, usually, ironically, actually, a lot of I get a lot of listeners for Grammy Week for Grammy Week releases after the Grammys themselves, which is really interesting. But um, so after I recorded the final episode of Grammy Week before I released it. Uh, Toby Keith had passed away. Now, I will say that um, there are times where, like, I have try where I have trouble with like what to say with like when acknowledging someone had passed because there are times, there are certain times where it's like I disagreed with opinions, so uh, actions, etc., of that individual. And I mean, especially in this case, I think it's a little bit tougher because like I'm, I mean, those of you listening probably know by now, I'm not a hardcore country fan, um, but I never really got that into country music, but still, I mean, despite all of that and despite like differences, which I mean, cause while I do want to be honest with like discussing my opinion about someone there, you still do have like loved ones grieving and I don't want it to I don't while I don't think my podcast would ever reach them because this is a smaller one still I they're grieving they want to hear positive things about the person if they want to hear if anything um I mean the thing is even still he he was a massive name in country music there he had a run where um where I mean I don't know where this started, and then probably started in the 90s, but really 
in the 2000s was, if not the biggest name in country, one of the biggest names in country for over a decade. He, I, I mean, he had countless hits in the country charts, had a lot of crossover hits, and really was one of the one of the people of one of the artists of that era who was one of the biggest crossover art artists in country. There's a few other ones at the same time, but he, I mean, if someone were to tell me that he was the biggest name of that era, I wouldn't argue it. I would say, okay, fair enough. I wouldn't fight. I wouldn't fight back on it. Um, and I think even just hearing about just how many country artists, like popular, popular country artists, legends, um, and so many others were uh, just paid tribute to him was considered himself a massive, considered him a massive influence, loved his music, whatever it is. I think that really does uh, showcase his lasting impact in music. Um, so condolences to his loved ones, rest in peace. Now, uh, I want to go through some festival lineups, but the first thing that I want to do is actually two, I guess two things. So first off, um, so Coachella had an interesting one. There are a bunch of articles coming out saying that ticket sales are really slow this year. Normally Coachella's the Coachella's tickets end up selling out really quickly. They haven't even sold out yet this year. They're, uh, this year, I mean, I I wasn't going to buy tickets because, I mean, they're a lot of money and I wouldn't really want to go anyways um, to that festival. The ticket, uh, I mean, there are tickets still available, which is wild. And, I mean, I figured that I was a little bit reserved about the our lineup that they got because well, I thought Tyler Creator was a massive for the headliners particularly I think it's really the big one um, Tyler Creator I'm like yeah that's that's a ma that's a massive massive name but then it's like Doja Cat I had expressed skepticism at the time when they booked her and then Lana Del Rey I originally when I heard they were going to book her I didn't think they were going to book her as a headliner and I don't know if that really, I don't know how much that really did uh, in that regard, but uh, impacted it. But hey, um, so I mean, I'm not like, I guess overall, I'm not too too shocked that it's not like an insane selling one. But at the same time, still, that's uh, yeah, that's not the best news for them. And I'm wondering if, and honestly, I mean, I'm wondering if no, if no doubt isn't like, isn't doing even isn't doing as much as they were hoping would be for the, um, for the returning act. I don't know. I, I thought it would be a big deal, but maybe not. Um, I think it's really just the headliners. So overall, it's a deep lineup. One other thing before I get into the festival lineups. The um, um, so I all the time with these festivals when they're announced, 
I, you always get, you get a lot of people that are like, that are like, that when it's like, uh, one act so that now it's like, who, or I know three of those acts or whatever. Um, yeah, I, I mean, my honest view that when people do that, I don't get, I, sometime in the last, the fairly recent time, stupidity became, and ignorance became a really popular thing just with any topic. I don't get that because honestly, I mean, you could say who, or you could say, or you could, there's this, there's this thing that some people know. It's a, it's a secret about what people know. And it's this thing called Google. You see, what you could do is you could type in whatever thing you don't know what it is and results will start coming up. Not, not too many people know about that. Well, obviously I'm being facetious there, but I mean, Literally, I mean, that's all you have to do. You can search Wikipedia, you can Google it, and you can find out the act. And I mean, because, like, for instance, I know with uh, Bonnaroo, I saw this all the time. People being like, I don't even know who that is. Fred again. I'm like, well, it's one of the bigger electronic names out there right now, honestly. Um, and I mean, was I expect, I was a little bit surprised to hear when I first learned that he was going to headline uh, because I wasn't expecting, I was thinking it could be like the second or third biggest name on the day. Um, immediately I heard one that I know there was a, there was one that I heard that they had tried booking Skrillex to a Fred again, Skrillex back to back set likely to headline, but they couldn't book Skrillex. Skrillex wasn't available. So, um, but still, I mean, all you have to do is just Google it. I mean, even for me, I mean, I talk about all these acts. I know all these acts every, almost every single festival. There's an act that's not too far down in the lineup. Where I'm just like, who's that? And there are times where like I search them like, oh, that's who that is. I remember, I know them, yeah. But there are times I didn't know who it was, and I, and I have to refresh my memory. There's and there's nothing wrong with that, you know. I mean, and I mean, because no one's gonna know every act in the world. That'd be insane. This, I mean, not even me. That'd be insane if I did too. You, I mean. Everyone probably listening would be like, we knew something was wrong with Matt, but if that was the case, then something would definitely be wrong with that. Um, but yeah, it's just something that just annoys me, and I think it's just dumb, and really it's just a waste of space. Now, uh, let's go to the festivals. Um, the order that I'm going to be doing these festivals, talking about these festivals, is the order that they came up, uh, that I had for screenshots, so it's not in any other particular order. Uh, particular order. Um, the first one is Just Like Heaven. That one, I believe, is in Vegas. If it's not in Vegas, it's close to Vegas. Um, it's like historically, uh, um, like an indie pop type festival. Uh, it's taking place Saturday, May 18th. The acts, I'm, it's a short enough list that I might read all of them. Uh, and either way, because I would be reading most of them anyways because it's they got a lot of notable acts on it uh postal service phoenix death cap for cutie the war on drugs mike snow passion pit always two-door cinema club phantogram uh, phantogram sorry i think i said phantom gram at first uh metric tegan is washed out broken social scene sleigh bells war paint css be your own pet the goat team them jeans chris cruz uh 
what they bill as the return of gossip and uh, featuring a club called Rhonda. Uh, yeah, they got some good acts on there. I think that uh, booking the the seemingly never-ending Postal Service and Death Cab for Cutie co-headline tour, which, because even it was so popular, they just keep adding shows to it. Um, I think that one's a really smart booking, because that way you can get the two acts for a lot cheaper. Um, Phoenix is a still a really notable name in the genre. War on Drugs is really popular. Mike Snow, I think, is a smart booking. Deacon and Sarah being as low as they are is wild. That They're really notable. Um, always is rapidly rising. I think that's really smart booking. Um, same thing like Broken Social seem a little bit surprised as low as they are, or like War Paints, crazy to see how low they are. But yeah, I think they booked a lot of good acts. I think that was some smart bookings. Next up, Bourbon and Beyond. It's Historically, it's like a rock and well, bourbon festival. Um, they advertise it as music, food, and bourbon. Um, typically, it's like kind of like a, it's like a mix of like, alternative classic rock blues rock jam rock kind of stuff um i think it um but this year they also have some country acts in there headline it's oh actually let me say where and when it is um it's in oh gee oh there it is louisville kentucky september 19th through 22nd which is the thursday through sunday um headline and i'm not gonna and they also have like some uh professional chefs and like bourbon experts that are going to be there too. I'm going to focus on the music acts just because this is a music podcast. And even though I know some of these uh, professional chefs, for instance, that was more so because my dad loves, my dad loves cooking shows. Um, so, uh, headliners on each day, Thursday, Neil Young, Friday, Dave Matthews band, Saturday, Zach Bryan, Sunday, Tyler Childers, uh, other acts on each day on Thursday, and it's Neil Young. Neil Young, excuse me. There's Beck, Matchbox Twenty, Fleet Foxes, Marin Morris, Co Wetzel, La Lovett, The Wallflowers, Beth Hart, Larry Fleet, Arlo Parks, Breland, uh, Patty Smith, M Ward, Su- uh, Susan Vega, The Record Company, KT Turnstile, and others. I'm gonna stop after the three lines, the first three lines on each day, because if there's five on each day. Um, just because I would be going on forever, because there's notable names even in the bottom ones. Um, like, for instance, you have, like, Sun Vault, Yonder Mountain String Band, um, Samantha Fish, Sam Bush Band, like, on it's right throughout the days, for instance, just name a few. Um, but if you are interested in this kind of music, I would say look at the whole lineup in particular. On uh, Friday, just Dave Matthews Band, there's Tashi Trucks Band, Black Pumas, The Head and the Heart, uh, Melissa Etheridge, Chris Isaac, Charles Wesley Goodwin, Bruce Hornsby and the Noisemakers, J.J. Gray and Mofro, Molly Tuttle and Golden Highway, His Golden Messenger, Wyatt Flores, and Simifunk. On Saturday edition of Zach Ryan, there's Whiskey Myers, Cody Jinks, Young the Giant, Teddy Swims, Kaleo, Sierra Farrell, Shane Smith and the Saints, Corey Wong, Alan Stone, uh, Nico Moon, Josh Ritter and the Royal City Band, Matt Kearney, uh, Smith and Myers and Soul Asylum and the others. And then on Sunday, in addition to Tyler Childers, there's My Morning Jacket, The National, The War on Drugs, Beach Boys, Mount, Mount Joy, Milky Chance, uh, Ex Ambassadors, Sunny Day Real Estate, which is an interesting one to have thrown in this mix, Dinosaur Jr., Larkin Poe, Lucius, The War on Treaty, The Bacon Brothers, Neil Francis, and Dexter and the Moon Rocks and others. Yeah, this one's really loaded. Um, 
I think it's interesting to incorporate as much country as they did this year. But I mean, at the same time, like someone like Tyler Childers says, it's like kind of like Americana crossover too, which, uh, can we just take a second to just process just how massive Tyler Childers has gotten and just his absolute explosion over the last few years in particular? It's wild. Because even um, one thing I'm working on and we're still hoping to release is the 2022 Fictional Festival series. Um, I know we're was hoping to release that last year. We got a bit postponed because I had a crazy busy year. But since I already started it, I got a good chunk in. I want to finish it. Um, even in that one, I was I wouldn't I wasn't I didn't have him as like a top two name on a day. That's how much he's exploded even since then. Um, I think Zach Bryan is in. I mean, he's exploded too. Something that's a good choice. Dave Matthews is massive. Neil Young, I think, is a brilliant choice. And like even the second biggest name on each day, like Beck. Well, I guess on Thursday, Beck and Matchbox Twenty, which are both massive. Uh, Tishy Trucks, Whiskey Myers, Mywar Jack. I think are. Good, all good calls, but they really do have a bunch of rising acts, also, or like acts that have followings, like a um, in terms of rising acts, Molly Tuttle, Warren Treaty. Um, I think I had Arlo Parks, that was who I was trying to. I was like, I knew I had another one somewhere, uh, that I lost. Um, and then they have like some, some like established acts too, um, like even like an act like Wallflowers, I think is a brilliant booking, um. Someone like Milky Chance, for instance, that was a smart booking. Um, even like the Nationals is like the third biggest name on a day is insane. What we own the Giants' fourth biggest name. It so this one's Dan Wire presents. They typically have deeper lineups, and this one is a really deep one. I think there's a lot of really good bookings. Um, also a quick one just to mention. Uh, previously, uh, the I discussed Capital Groove, which was a festival that's taking place in Hartford. I said that at the time they had announced three of the headliners, but hadn't announced one of them yet. The last headliner that has been announced, uh, my morning Jack is going to be headlining the first day. Um, I'm not going to go. They have announced some other acts as well. I'm not going to go through the whole festival, but if you are interested in a festival like that, cause the other headliners, uh, Saturday, it's my morning Jack and the revivalist Sunday is dispatch and the head in the heart. Um, by all means, you can check that out if you're interested. Um, next up, uh, Minnesota Yacht Club Festival. I've never, I've, I'll be honest, I'd never heard of this festival until it just, until I stumbled upon the lineup. Um, it's in Minnesota, as you probably guessed, uh, St. Paul, Minnesota, um, July 19th to 20th, Friday, Saturday, headliners on Friday, Gwen Stefani and Orlando's Morissette, Saturday, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Friday, there's also... I'm just going to go through all the acts because it's like... There's uh, not a ton of acts. Friday, Black Crows, Joe and the Black Hearts, The Head and the Heart, Dury, Morgan Wade, and Michigander, Gully Boys, Harbor and Home. And on Sunday, the, or excuse me, Saturday rather, there's also The Offspring, Hippocampus, Gary Clark Jr., The Hold Steady, Soul Asylum, Trombone Shorty, and The Orleans Avenue, Will Dorado, and Nico Vega, and Iron Tom. Iron Tom, excuse me. This was a pretty deep lineup. I know there's not a ton, ton of acts, but still, there's some deep ones. Like, Head in the Heart is the fifth biggest name on a day, and Trombone Shorty on that's the seventh biggest name on a day. That's insane, because they've really... He, he's, a, he's exploded. He's pretty big now. Um, 
I mean, even, or like Joe Jett is the fourth biggest name. I think the headliners also are pretty smart. Um, Gwen Stefani is popular act still. Um, Alanis Morissette it really has had a massive revival. Um, Red Hot Chili Peppers, one of the biggest rock bands in the world. Offspring is massive. Uh, Black Crows, they've been at tour, doing pretty notable tours the last few years. Um, yeah, there's there's a I think that wow, that's a deep one. Um, next one I'm gonna discuss is so what festival is in Texas? It's a mixture of genres. Usually they have a usually they have like more like I guess emo type bands, but they have a bunch of others. Um, so it's Saris. It's June first and second. It's in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, and uh, it's on a Saturday, Sunday. I don't think I mentioned that part, but uh, headliner Saturday is Under Oath, Sunday is Skillet. One thing that a bunch of these types of festivals have done is they started booking acts to perform full albums. The only album that we know an act is going to play for their set, Under Oath is going to play, they're only chasing safety, uh, but they have indicated what acts are going to do full album sets. Um, I'm only going to, because they have them broken down into four sections, I'm only going to read the acts in the first two sections for each day. Um, on Saturday, there's also Boys Like Girls, and also in each section, they're uh, in alphabetical order. Um, so Boys Like Girls, Mayday Parade, Silverstein, The Devil Wars Prada, 303, Emery, Ian Dior, Knucklepuck, uh, Norma Jean, O Sleeper, The Secret Handshake, and Vail Abaya, and others. On su Sunday, there's also Ask Alexandria, P.O.D., Switchfoot, Reliant K, The Amity Affliction, uh, I almost skipped a section, uh, Attila, Current, Dying Wish, He Is Legend, Seoshin, The Almost, and Thousand Below. And the acts they have doing full albums on Saturday, there's Emery. On Sunday, there will be Switchfoot, He Is Legend, Seoshin, and The Almost. Um, yeah, that's, the, I think the headliners they booked are, like, notable. I think those are smart calls. As for the undercard acts, um, I think, actually, I don't think it's interesting booking Skillet, because that's a little bit out of genre for them. Um, I think Double Wars Parada is a really smart one. Ask Alexandra is smart. Uh, Switchfoot, I, a little bit out of genre again, but hey, fair enough. Every Affliction is following Brian K. Actually, yeah, it looks like they really went, they really went for the Christian route and then booked Attila for some reason also, which is the total opposite of that, practically. Um, I guess total opposite would be a black metal band, but a uh, Satanist black metal band. But hey, um, I um, yeah, I think they have some like solid bookings. Um, indoors, rapidly rising. Dying Wish is one that I that is one that's rising. I think that's a good call. Yeah, they have some interesting bookings there. Um, next up, we're gonna go through, um. A festival that the name always makes me laugh. It's called Incarceration. It's a tattoo and music festival that takes place in the Ohio State Reformatory, which is where they filmed Shawshank Redemption. Makes me laugh every time. Um, so this one is interesting because the way they build it, they build it as if it's like three headliners, even though 
um, they have them in order. So Friday, the big three big names they have booked, Breaking Benjamin, The Offspring, and Chevelle. Saturday, Godsmack, Hailstorm, and I Prevail. Sunday, Shine Down, Bad Omens, and Parkway Drive. Um, some other acts they have booked on Friday. I'm going to read the first three lines on each day just because it gets a lot. Actually, I might I might mention another act if, if it, there's another notable act that is on the next line. But uh, Friday, there's also Machine Head, Jimmy Chara, who I think is or Jimmy Ara, who's doing, I think is doing reuniting. Um, Poison in the Well, I, I'll be honest, I didn't realize that they were active. Um, I'm going to look that up while I read the rest of these. Um, Wolf, uh, Brad Wolf's Biohazard, uh, um, Veil of Maya, Mushroom Head, After the Burial, Attack Attack, Kingdom Collapse, like Moth to Flames, Il Nino, and some others on Saturday. And it looks like Poison the Well has been active for a few years. They've been on it in 2020. I for, um, oh, they, they did a few reunion shows back in 2021 as well. I forgot gotten that they reunited that was what happened um saturday they also have kill switch engage hollywood undead seven dust as i lay dying filter trust company fit for a king all shall perish the kts strain chelsea grin upon a burning body the world alive and others on Sa sunday they also have dropkick murphy skillet sleeping with sirens the who as in the in hu as in the um, Mongolian folk metal band. I say folk metal. Their last album wasn't as much folk metal. Uh, Shadows Fall from Ashes to New. Bless the Fall. Stabbing Westward. Colo. Or is that Colo? Oh, nope. Matt's an idiot and can't read. He, that says cold. Um, as in the post grunge hard rock, uh, hard rock band. Um, Brand of Sacrifice, Era, I See Stars, and others. So this one is another one of the Danny Wyman presents, which they. They don't epicenter back when that was a festival. They also did um, Bourbon and Beyond, uh, some other ones. Um, this one is Ukes. They, per I think, this one they merged with another one to do. This one usually is the is has the not the not strongest lineup of the three, but I think still that like the actually book usually the each like each of the top acts they book would be like the second biggest name on it. Another Dan Noir presents. I think that's a smart move because then they were able to get really deep lineups for each day. Um, even like, uh, for instance, having, uh, having like, for instance, uh, I'm trying to come up with a good example here. Uh, like someone, someone like Mushroom Head, for instance, as low as they are. Um, people like Bless the Fall, who is, uh, who reunited recently as low as they are is insane. Um, or like from Ashes to Note, like they, th this lineup's really, really deep. Um, they do have some ones that I'm like, interesting choice. Bad Wolves is interesting choice, for instance, considering that, uh, they seem to have a lot of detractors after everything that happened with, uh, the controversy with their lead vocalist being picked, uh, kicked out because, uh, uh, because of his political views. Um, like, as LA dying, they, I guess there aren't as many people who are like, I guess them being booked because, uh, their, their vocalist tried, I can't think of his name, but they tried to, uh, have, he, uh, tried to have his, 
years ago, tried to hire a hitman to uh, kill his wife and uh, was arrested for it. But ever since then, really, I think most of most of the original members of the band who had reunited, if not all of them, end up quitting the band. So it's a wild situation. Uh, next up, we'll also discuss... There's two more festivals I want to discuss. This one will be a little bit quicker. Um, Let's Go Fest is like a indie alternative kind of festival. Um, headliners for each day. Actually, let's um, actually let's run through. Oh yeah, I'll say the headliners first. They have a lot of like co-headliners. Friday, Taking Back Sunday and Dashboard Confessional. Saturday, The Revivalists and Band Camino. Sunday, Bush and Daughtry. Other acts on Friday. I'll just read through all the acts because there's a few, there's a few enough. Motion City Soundtrack, Taylor Acorn, Games Do Play, Weathers, People Are Ugly. On Saturday, there's also Coin, The Moss, Harbor, Almost Monday, Hans Williams, All You Need, School of Rock, House Band. And on Sunday, there's also Our Lady Peace, Thursday, Big Rick, We Are Scientists, The Alive, Dave Typhon Friends, and School of House Rock Band. Um, interesting lineup. Not too, too deep, I think, in the Last face, and I didn't say where it is. It's uh in Maryland, uh, Crownsville, Maryland. It's May thirty first through June second. Um, I'm trying to think. I think last year they like had had, um, I don't remember what they did last year. Oh, you know what? I was thinking of a different festival. Um, yeah, last year they had like Live 311 Chris Young, which is, uh, Chris Young's a random one to throw in. But, um, but yeah, um, I think it's, uh, Interesting lineup. Uh, I mean, it's not like a massive festival, so I wouldn't expect to be insanely deep or have uh, massive headliners or whatever. But yeah, I think they have some solid bookings. Um, interesting Daughtry not being bigger than Bush, but then again, I guess Bush has had a bit of a comeback lately. Um, and it's interesting that it seems like each day sounds like stylistically in terms of the headliners kind of similar um the final one that i want to talk about one that uh had been gone for a few years they actually i think they might have had it in 2022 but took a year off last year at the minimum and now maryland death fest is back which is a metal festival um friday of metals though metal genres though usually extreme metal genres um oh that was it yeah it didn't happen it came 2020 it returned 2022 didn't happen 2023 um yeah so uh the uh so yeah they this one is uh loaded uh, this one's a loaded lineup with metal bands um i'm just gonna run through and just say up um so i mean so, some of the bigger names they have for instance are sodom and, and it's also it's 
They have like a pre-party on May 22nd, but the main festival is the 23rd, May 23rd through 26th. It's in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, they have like Sodom, uh, um, Defleshed. Um, actually, I'll just jump through, say all of them. Sodom's one of the biggest names, but they also have Abbott, Ahab, uh, 1349. I'm just jumping around randomly. Uh, Dismember. And the reason I'm doing that instead of saying the headliners each day is because they have it so it's all the logos. And I gotta tell you, I, <laughs> some of them I just, because I don't recognize each logo, because band logos is not one that I'm, it's more of my specialties. I, with a lot of the extreme metal ones, you can't read, the, the, you know that they're heavy when you can't read the band name. Um, there's also Bloodbath, um, My Dying Bride, um, Severe Torture. Um, oops, sorry, I went to a different page by accident. Um, Gorgots. Um, I don't, don't remember if I said Defleshed, but if I didn't Defleshed, uh, Severe Torture, I think, don't remember if I said them. Um, Death Hammer, um, Cryptopsy, um, Wig and Nachos in one of their reunion shows. I'm excited that they're back together. I love them. Um, Internal Suffering, Incinerate, bunch, bunch, bunch of others. Um, I don't remember if I said Bloodbath, but if I didn't, Bloodbath. Um, yeah, it's a it, yeah, it's a wild lo loaded lineup. Um, actually, I don't know if I said My Dying Bride, but they're one of the headliners. Um, um, for the pre-party, at least they have Atheist. I don't remember. If, I don't think they have them booked for the other days, but yeah, it's a really loaded lineup. Really, um, in terms of that style of genre, absolutely wild. Um. Yeah. So, um, now that we spent over 30 minutes talking about that, let's go through the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominees. Um, it's an interesting group. Uh, in alphabetical order there, Mary J. Blige, Mariah Carey, Cher, Dave Matthews Band, Eric B. and Rakeem, Foreigner, Peter Frampton, Jane's Addiction, Cool and the Gang, Lenny Kravitz, Oasis, Shanae O'Connor, Ozzy Osbourne, Sade, and A Trap Called Quest. So, we knew that it was I figured it would be it would be a little bit different a different class because um oh jeez what's his name I can't think of his name um the guy who was like one of the big people with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, who was a former editor of Rolling Stone. I can't think of his name to save my life. Um, I'm trying to find it, but once I, uh, once I come up with it, I'll, uh, once I, once I have it, I'll say it, but, Basically, he uh, was booted for 
controversial statements. And, uh, okay, I can't find it on here. We'll try a different page. Um, oh, that would be why, because I had the wrong name. I was thinking, I think it was Gene Warner, Winner, not Jan Winner. Um, yeah, he, uh, Um, yeah, basically, um, he, uh, faced controversy for effectively, uh, for comments related to black artists and female artists. Um, and, uh, he, yeah, so he, if I remember right, is, um, actually, I think that he uh, stepped down from the board, but I might be wrong. But anyways, um, but yeah, because he was said to have had a lot of influence on the on the acts that were inducted. He was on the he was one of the founders, um, so it was expected that it was going to change at least a little bit because especially in the last few years, you were getting the same acts over and over again. Like my joke was, uh, like my big joke was that every year it was like, until she got nominated in a separate category, how was Shaka Khan going to be nominated this year? That was for years when I, would, I stopped doing the, I stopped making my predictions for the, uh, with the, or with Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominees, but every year I knew that was going to be one of the one of the nominees for years. It was when I did the predictions. That was one I could count on. Some iteration of Rufus, Rufus featuring Shaka Khan or Shaka Kong, Shaka Khan, excuse me. Um, but and but I mean realistically, there were still a lot of others. Um, like consistently, um, like MC Five was a consistent one. Um, um, I think before they got inducted into a different, some that kind of getting inducted into different categories included LL Cool J, um, uh, Craftwork. I can't think of their name for a second. Um, Jake Alban has gotten nominated tons. Sheik before they inducted Nell Rogers with getting nominated all the time. Um, yeah, that so like you consistently had had that happening. It was like, uh, so I thought we would get something different, and yeah, we did. First off, no first year, no newly eligible acts for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I know in my in the last episode I did, I I because I said originally teased that I was going to release an article about it. Had some tech issues, lost the article, um, but. Uh, I'm glad I ultimately didn't release it because they didn't nominate anyone. The big, the ones that I expected were most likely uh, were well, John Mayer and Lil Wayne were going to be the. Were I thought John Mayer was going to get nominated because of common trends from the past with when he was there, um, when Winner was there, would be that if you were nice to the Rock and Roll Fame, aka you inducted someone, you tended to get nominated. Um, 
So I thought John Mayer was pretty much a lock at that point. And then uh, Coldplay and 50 Cent would also be eligible. Now, you could argue that they weren't nominated because they changed it to say that it they didn't count singles or extended play. But this precedent was set as recently as last year, because if they didn't count singles, White Stripes would not have been eligible last year. Um, I also thought like J-Lo and the Shins were possible, though I didn't think they would get nominated. Um, yeah, um, the fact that there's so many like more associated with pop than normal, like Mariah Carey, Cher, and Sade. Um, and also, I want to say, also, I wasn't sure whether Sade would be, was it to clarify, I because I had to check whether it was the individual vocalist or the band. It's the band that's nominated. Um, and, I mean, I, two hip-hop acts, both older ones, um, no metal acts, which they tried to throw a metal act in here and there to try to dispel the accusations that they hate metal music. Um, the, a few years ago, they had nominated Dave Matthews Band, then they, after he won the fan vote, they didn't nominate him again. Now he's back on. Um, hey, yeah, it's a really interesting combo. I'll go through act by act. Um, first off, Mary J. Blige, uh, massive, massive name historically. She has had a comeback in the last few years, but um, one of the biggest names in, like, especially 90s R&B, but also, like, uh, in terms of hip-hop soul, she's nick often nicknamed the queen of hip-hop soul. Uh, really influential, especially on a lot of acts over the last, like, in for, since in the last, like, decade, decade and a half that were big really have cited her as an influence. Um, especially acts like Beyonce, Summer Walker, Rihanna, Taylor Swift, Adele, Sam Smith, um, Tiana Turner, uh, Shaq Cole, bunch of, a bunch of others. Um, she's had a lot of notable releases. Um, What's the 411 is probably her most notable one. That one's a massively important album in 90s R&B, um, and especially incorporating hip-hop in, as I alluded to earlier, incorporating hip-hop into R&B music. Um, My Life is also, a, was also another really big one. Um, in terms of in terms of singles, uh, no, uh, Family Fair, Not Gonna Cry, Be Without You, uh, Real Love, all those hit top 10. Uh, and she's had a ton of other top 100, top 40 hits. Um, she's also featured on a bunch of bunch of songs, Runaway Love and I'll Be There For You, You're All I Need, or You're All I Need To Get By, where, uh, Two of the biggest ones she featured on. Um, it's yeah. She was previously nominated a couple years ago, um, and I'm not I'm not shocked to see her get nominated again this year. Um, next up, Mariah Carey. Um, it's interesting because in recent years she's effectively become like the queen of Christmas, mainly because of All I Want for Christmas Is You, as if 
as if suddenly people are like, she hasn't uh, released anything other than Christmas music, which is comical to me, because really, she's uh, she's been I mean, she really was one of the biggest names in the 90s. Um, I mean, in terms of albums, it was like pretty much guaranteed that she, her albums were going to hit like top five. I think the only one that her only studio album that didn't hit top five was uh, Glitter, which actually I guess that was more of a soundtrack album than a studio. It was a mix of studio soundtrack album for uh, yeah, that that movie. Um, uh, but yeah, and then I mean, in terms of hits, uh, I mean, her first four singles hit number one. And uh, actually, I guess, actually, I'm not going to count There's Gotta Be a Way, which ends up hit, uh, which was, wasn't released in the US. So let's say that again. First five singles hit number one. Um, and then she had several others. In the 90s, she was like, it was like pretty much guaranteed that she would hit number one. Even in the 2000s, she had a bunch of number one hits as well. She's massive, one of the more popular artists of all time, in my opinion. Um, next up, Cher. Uh, she's had a long, long, or like, I say long career, but I mean more like long in terms of commercial success in particular. Um, started out with uh, Sonny and Cher, then uh, with her now ex-husband, uh, Sonny Bono. She, uh, but with her solo career, um, she was another one who it was like, uh, felt like it was like hit after hit after hit. Um it's funny because her albums, she had some albums that were successful. Um, Believe was probably her most successful album, which was, I think, her 12th album? 20th or 22nd album. I was off by 10, um, which is insane, a statement to say. Um, but I mean, like, she was another one who, like, uh, she had top 10 singles. Um, from each decade, from like the '60s until the '90s, which is in which is insane to say. And I mean, even she had like a number one hit as late as '98 with "Believe." Um, it's just wild. She's uh, she is uh, she's she's an artist who like is massive in like pop culture kind of thing, really well known. Um, then, uh, Dave Matthews band, uh, one of the most notable jam bands. Um, I would say that that and them and fish were essential in popularizing, uh, popularizing jam music. And I think in particular, like in the, in like the nineties and two thousands, they were the two biggest ones to do it. But even but I mean, even like in terms of commercial levels, Fish did because uh, like similar, like like kind of like Grateful Dead, them and Fish like people would tour all over the country to see them, 
And even still, people are still touring, will still tour like crazy to see them. Um, and like follow them like crazy. It's wild. Um, but I mean, unlike, but the thing with Fish compared to them, Fish never had quite the commercial level in terms of their studio releases that Dave Matthews Band did. They had one album that didn't hit the top 10. Their debut album, Under the Table and Dreaming, which is, uh, I mean, which is like a massive, uh, massive jam song, a uh, jam, our massive album in alternative and jam music. Um, it hit number 11. So, um, and I mean, all but three other albums, studio albums hit number, hit top, uh, hit top 10. They're consistent for years. Their live albums would hit, hit in the billboard charts. Um, it's, I mean, they, in terms of like alternative songs, they've had like alternative hit after alternative hit. Um, they, um, I mean, they had a bunch of songs in the nineties that were, that were, uh, got a lot, had a lot of like alternate, uh, that had a lot of air radio airplay success as well. Um, so like songs like, uh, crashing to me so much to say, what would you say? Um, satellite ants marching, um, the space between was in the two thousands, but still, Actually, so sport you going, but that one's a big hit. Uh, stay, don't drink the water. Um, crush. Funny the way it is. Also, you and me. I mean, it's American Baby. I mean, they've had so much success and still are like one of the bigger rock bands, especially in the U.S. So, um, and also really did have like a massive influence with revitalizing jam music. Um, next up, Eric B. and Rakeem, one of the most in important hip-hop groups, in my opinion. Um, Nas, um, even though, if I remember right, I think that I didn't have them on my list of top hip-hop groups, top five hip-hop groups, which pained me a bit, but uh, hey. Um, really important uh, hip-hop group. They've had several massive releases. Paid in Full is uh, a legendary hip hop album. Um, I mean, so is Follow the Leader, for that matter. Um, I mean, realistically, I think each of their albums. I would. I mean, I guess uh, Let the Rhythm Hit Him well, didn't get quite the same acclaim as their other ones. Um, but, uh, and like. Don't sweat the technique wasn't as acclaimed as the one still, but I mean, they, uh, um, but yeah, I mean, even still, like, they didn't, I might mean, they didn't release a bad album, um, in their four albums, uh, the, they had a lot of singles that were popular in both in like dance, RB, and rap. Um, they were, one of the early acts that were playing around with jazz music with their samples. Um, and, and especially, I mean, I know for instance, um, like even like, I ain't no joke, like uh, played around with it a little bit, for instance, um, 
But I mean, especially as they went on, they really like played around with like jazz, dance, like whatever they could. They, they, they felt they were one of those acts that really didn't feel like they had a limit. Um, and then, uh, um, but. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the members, Eric B is uh, one of the most one of the most notable DJs of all time. A really important DJ. And then, uh, um, and then Rakim, I would, I honestly might consider him the greatest like technical rapper of all time. If he's not number, if I wouldn't consider him one of the best one, he'd be up there. Um, also an amazing lyricist as well. Um, I mean, ev everyone in, uh, everyone in, uh, the, in hip hop, like, loves him. Um, it seems like, so it's, it's wild. Um, the, yeah, he's an amazing rapper. So I, yeah, that's, <laughs> um, I mean, that just, those two members are so important in, in the genre. Um, next up foreigner. Um, I've been saying for years that I thought foreigner was going to get nominated, especially when, um, they had the hit making trio of, I think of the order that they had, it was journey, then Bon Jovi, then Def Leppard. I think after Def Leppard, I was like, Foreigner's going to be the next one. Uh, I was a few years off with that one, but uh, <laughs> um, but got there, got there eventually. Um, yeah, they've uh, they're one of those like classic rock type bands that really is beloved, and they really um, I don't think people talk about them in talk about just how uh how much success they've they had over the years. I mean, in their, in like the seventies through the eighties, I mean, like their first five albums all hit all like were top five albums, most notable one being their album, their fourth album titled four, which was a massive, massive success. Um, they had a ton, like throughout the seventies and eighties, bunch of top 10 hits. Um, including songs like Double Vision, Feels Like the First Time, uh, Hot Blooded, Waiting for a Girl Like You, their number one hit, which was I Want to Know What Love Is. Um, uh, I don't remember if I said Cold as Ice, but if I didn't, Cold as Ice. Um, Head Games. Head Games actually missed top ten, but uh, unlike the other ones, um, say it. Say You Will, I Don't Want to Live Without You, all those songs, and Urgent, um, all those songs ended up hitting top 10, and that doesn't even count, like, other, like, songs that are fairly popular, like a song like Jukebox Hero, um, that one hit top 10, or missed top 10, but, like, still, it's, like, a notable one. They, I, they're one that I could see getting in, just because of the number of the hits they had. Next up, another one that's in a similar kind of one that I was always surprised never got nominated, uh, Peter Frampton, he, I mean, this one admittedly, he is in his 
farewell tour or just finished his farewell tour. I think that he's still on the farewell tour, but um, oh, you know what? No, he was he had previously done a farewell tour and then came out of retirement. That's right. Um, yeah, he's had a he had a bunch of hits. Um, his biggest album was I'm In You. Actually, his biggest studio album was that, but really his big breakthrough one was Frampton Comes Alive, which was the live album. Um, a few massive hits. Uh, do you feel like we do Show Me The Way, I'm In You, um, Baby Love Your Way, a cover of Signed, Sealed, Delivered, um, I Can Stand No More, some other songs as well. Um, but like he had a few year run where he was ma he was massive. Um and it's, it's kind of funny though that like he had a live album that was like that is the one he's most known for. Um next up Jane's Addiction. Um really notable alternative band in like kind of like in the eighties and the most known for like probably were the one of the first eighties and then early nineties alternative bands to gain mainstream attention. Um, they were like along the same, around the same time as REM getting popular. Um, but uh, they released four albums. Um, one of them was, there really wasn't a reason that they, I, I still don't get why they released it with Great Escape Artist, but hey, um, but the other, th I mean, Strays was good, but Nothing Shocking and Ritual de la Habitual were amazing, amazing, amazing albums. All them great albums, especially Ritual de la Habitual, de la Habitual, in my opinion. It's, it's one of my all-time favorite albums. Um, they had a some songs that ended up getting, uh, were notable in, uh, in the, sh uh, in the genre, including, uh, Jane says is one of the more notable ones. Um, Ben Costealing, Stop, um, uh, and like some other like those were like they were in the original run. They had some other ones afterwards just because it was fairly popular. Uh, Classic Girl actually ended up being uh, having some success. Um, um, some other songs, but then they also had they do have a sizable following and. There's a lot of people in alternative that while they have, they're a little bit. There are some people that are not fans of them just because of, uh, um, their uh, um, just because of the of how mainstream they uh they were in some ways uh how mainstream they became. I mean, there's a lot of acts that were had them as influence, including Smashing Pumpkins, who Jason, they actually tore with Jason Addiction, um, Tool, Corn, Incubus, Devin Townsend, Interpol, uh, Limp Biscuit, System of a Down, Candlebox, a bunch of others. Um, and I think they really did, uh, they were really important in, uh, not only defining the 80s alternative, but then also influencing what, uh, like helping shape what. 90s music could like 90s alternative could be as well. Um, next up, cool in the gang. Um, 
some sort of it's just to define them as like some sort of blend between R&B, soul, and funk. They did cross over into a few different uh, few other few different genres. Also has some disco success. Um, they, they, I will say they've like it's they've been active like pretty much straight through, if not straight through, almost straight through since nineteen sixty four. So this this is like their 60th anniversary, which you never get. They've had a ton of members over the years, but um, they've had a lot of success. Um, some of their more popular albums include uh, "Celebrate," "Ladies' Night," "So So uh, Something Special," "Wild and Peaceful," "Good Times." Um, then uh, "Emergency" also. Um, then. Well, they had like some commercial success, success in like the sixties and seventies, or early like in their early years. They really exploded with their song. I guess they exploded a little bit with funky stuff, but then really exploded with Jungle Boogie. Um, but some of their, I mean, they're most known for the song "Celebration," which uh, it's kind of funny. It was like a disco song that uh, that was. Uh, um, that uh, really was after disco had died. Um, and it was still, I think that was, I would consider that one to be one of the first songs to be, disco songs to be, to like hint at being popular after, as disco was dying, or I guess you could say after disco died. But uh, they also had Ladies Night, Too Hot, um, Hollywood Swinging, uh, Take My Heart. Get down on it, uh, Joanna. Cherish, fresh, stone love, victory, but misted or mis mis misled. Excuse me, I misread that. Um, bunch of other hits. They really throughout like seventies and eighties. They like consistently were just able to have hit after hit. And now even still, like they're one of those bands where like if they're touring, they they can like be. They still be like being booked at like, like notable venues even still after all these years um except Lenny Kravitz this one was probably the biggest surprise for me I would never have predicted uh Lenny Kravitz would get uh would have been nominated um and that's not to say he doesn't deserve it but it's just like um they really haven't booked that like or like nominated that ex um, of like the genre. I mean, it's interesting because like he's a cop, hit a rock artist who also had like, like some psychedelic or like psychedelic soul at times too, influence. Um, and like had some hard rock influence. Um, like some blues rock. He like really went all over the place with, uh, style wise. Um, but if you were to put it in one word, it'll probably be rock. Um. He had a bunch of notable albums. Are you gonna go my way? Mama said. Um, Lenny was a popular one as well. Um, circus was not well received, but was popular. Um, it's time for a love revolution. I remember that one getting decent reviews. Oh, I misremember that wrong. It actually got did not get good reviews. Um, so many, so so many other releases, 
and I will say it's interesting because he has had, well, he had some really successful releases. He also had some really notable duds, like, uh, and album like Baptism, for instance, was um, pretty much panned. Um, but then, like, oh, Black and White America was the one that I, I was thinking of that got like that had gotten the guru was not as, uh, not its predecessor. Um, and then in terms of singles, uh, his "Fly Away" is probably his most notable song. Um, that was from Five, which I ironically didn't bring up there in his albums he released. But then also, uh, again, which was a top ten hit, and it overtows over was a top ten hit. Um, Lady, top ten hit was a top forty hit. But then, um, always on the run was a uh, was a really notable one. Are you gonna go my way? Is still a massive one in rock music. Um, they, um. And he had like a bunch of other songs that were really popular, but he's a really notable figure in rock music. Um, so I wouldn't be shocked if he got in. Um, next up, Oasis. Um, one of the at this point, they're they might be more known for the rivalry between uh brothers Liam and Noel Gallagher. Um, that uh. They, but even still, one of the most probably in terms of uh, Britpop, they I think they're the them and Blur are the two that define it. I think in terms of the U.S. in particular, they're the band that people would come to mind that people would think of. Um, their first two albums in particular, definitely maybe in What's the Story, Morning Glory, uh, two all time great albums. Um, and it's funny because at the time, uh, definitely maybe was absolutely acclaimed. Um, and then what's the story? Morning Glory did not get as good reviews at the time, but since then it has gotten acclaim. Um, two of the most popular, I would say, two of the most important British rock albums, um, by artists not named the Beatles or Rolling Stones. Um, and then even it's funny because Be Here Now at the time it was released was uh received acclaim and now. In re releases, um, not been well regarded, um, but yeah, they continue to have a ton of success. Um, even and I will say, after their first two albums, a lot of their releases ended up being a bit more of duds. Um, though I still would say, dig out your soul, don't sleep on that one. Um, that was their last album. Um, but yeah, they, uh, I, they were one of the most popular, most, most important British acts since the nineties in particular. Um, and then in terms of, uh, singles, well, ironically in the U S there, uh, there's a case to be made that they're argue that they, that they're, they're viewed as a one-hit wonder now, but they had a, but it was still with Wonderwall, but they had a bunch of notable so other songs, like Don't Look Back in Anger, uh, Champagne Supernova, um, Live Forever, one of one of my all-time favorite songs, um, Supersonic, 
cigarettes and alcohol. Um, do you know what I mean? That was another good one. Um, don't go away. Um, roll with it was big in the UK. Whatever was also big in the UK. Um, yeah, they had, they had a lot. They were massive in the UK. I mean, they were even they still like they were still like a by the end like by dig out your soul like their songs were hit when their last album were still hitting top 10 and that was 15 years after their debut which really is just insane to see just how massive they were there and really they were also incredibly influential um i they really did influence a lot of alternative bands especially um including arctic monkeys uh the Killers, Coldplay, um, Catfish, the Bottle Men, and then not a uh, always not an alternative band, but Maroon Five, um, also not an alternative one, but uh, Def Heaven, <laughs> um, love that band. They're really good. Um, they're a metal band, but anyways, um, but yeah, they're. I, I was surprised they didn't get nominated the first year they were eligible back in twenty nineteen, but they're massive. Next up is Shanae O'Connor. I'm a little bit surprised by that one because, um, she. I think I think this one is. I hate to put it this way, but I think if she hadn't died, she would have gotten a nomination, um, this year. Um, is she? Uh, is, but still, she uh, is most known for her cover of "Nothing Compares to You." And but I mean she had a couple of a few albums that were really successful. Um she was uh she was bigger in outside the US with other singles. She had some even even after her uh controversy that pretty much ended her career in the US, she was still having uh some hits internationally and a bunch of success with albums she especially was still having success in the UK. Um, but, uh, but in between her cover of nothing compares to you and I, and I, I do not want what I haven't got. Well, those, those two in particular were massive, massive, massive cri uh, critically acclaimed, really important releases. Um, I, and I mean, Admittedly, um, she she uh, really her career. I've alluded to this earlier. Her career in the U.S. pretty much ended because uh, she tore up a picture of Pope John Paul II live on national television in nineteen ninety national television in nineteen ninety two. Really to um, to uh, call out attention to uh, her um, to the church's child abuse, and but the thing was, she really was the first one to uh to call this out, and effectively she effect effectively got canceled effectively, um to the point where it was insane because it was even to the point where they had like. Joe Pesci defending the Pope by threatening violence against her, which is kind of 
ironic. Um, and then you had uh, um, you had Madonna even supporting the Pope, which uh, in the same year where she had an album called Erotic, which was really it was just really strange. Some of the people supporting her, supporting the Pope at that point, but I think I think that uh, because of the fact that frankly she was right about it, her career ended. And, uh, that, um, but I think that really, well, her musically, her impact, I don't think it would be great enough to get in. I think from a, just her impact with being able to be outspoken like that. And for, especially with beliefs, I really think, because this was at the same time that Rage Against the Machine was exploding this I think allowed like Rage Machine to really be able to, um, to be able to be big in a mainstream setting, and in general just be mass. Uh, just have you have so many artists who uh were since then were able to be success uh to have successful while being outspoken, and so many, so many mu- artists musicians uh. Um. Uh, praised her like um. Uh, Janelle Monae, Phoebe Bridgers, Public Enemy, Mass Attack, Amanda Palmer, and even Morrissey um. Wrote a tribute where he said, "Quote: You praise her now only because it is too too late. You hadn't the guts to support her when she was alive, and she was looking for you." End quote. And honestly, I mean. I'll be honest, she is someone who probably throughout my lifetime, I mean, she obviously, not now, but I can't do it now, but if I could have interviewed anyone, I would have loved to have interviewed her. I mean, I, because I found, I really, I found, like, I just found her life and her life so fascinating. Now, I, with all that saying, I'm just with, with the, Lack of commercial success throughout her career, I'm not, and with the influence more being not as music-based, I wonder if Award for Musical Excellence is a better category for her, but that's beside the point right now. Um, Next up, Ozzy Osbourne, um, already inducted with Black Sabbath, but still had a lot of still success with his his solo career as well. most notable album, Blizzard of Oz, uh, but that still had a lot of other albums that were successful, including Ultimate Sin, Bark of the Moon, Diary of a Madman, No Rest of the Wicked, No More Tears, Osmosis, bunch of other ones. Um, had several, had some crossover success, but um, with the most notable one being Mama and Coming Home, but had a, um, but really had a bunch of other, other songs that are really notable now, including uh, most notably Crazy Train, but then also Mr. Crowley, Bark at the Moon, um, Flying High Again, Over the Mountain. Um, I don't remember if I said No More Tears a minute ago, but No More Tears. Um, several several others um an icon in metal music 
Um, and I think I said they didn't. They showed they were kind of scared of metal music. The reason I said that, even with Ozzy being nominated, is because it is because it it continues the trend of the safe choice. Like for instance, Judas Priest, Motorhead, Iron Maiden were the ones that they would nominate before that. Um, I mean, also Metallica, Black Sabbath, but of course. But let me just put it this way, because I mean, I know some would say they would probably counter and say. Well, Van Halen got in, Kiss got in. I don't consider those X-Metal. I consider them close, stylistically close to hard rock. There are more metal bands, or there are fewer metal bands that got in than disco bands that have gotten in. Disco lasted like less than a, a lot of people's college tenures. So anyways, Sade is next. Uh, interesting choice because they're not often not really grouped in with rock. They're more grouped in with like soul, smooth jazz even as soul. But despite that, um, Still really influential in a neo soul and also I guess sophistopop also, um, but uh, really were massively influential on um, on the nineties R and B and soul movement. Even though the and while they had a ton of hits in the eighties in particular, um, were really influential in the next decade. Um, Smooth Operator, Swedish Taboo. Um, Never as good as the first time. Uh, Paradise for some of the more noble ones. Also, No Ordinary Love, but uh, like Your Love is King also is another popular one. Um, really had to also like their albums in particular was like they've every album they've released hit top 10 in the US um, and in their native uh, UK, only one missed the top 10 there. Um, they really had a ton of success in the U.S. in particular. And were really influential in those acts, and really had tons of success in like the soft rock markets in the U.S. and were among the more popular in the in the '80s, especially with doing that. But into the '90s, and last but not least, Tropical Quest. I cited them as one of the best when I had my list of best rap groups. Uh, they were on it. Um, really. Um, in one of the most influential hip hop groups of all time, I would say that um, while they might not have been the first to have been a jazz to do jazz rap, they're the ones that I think of with it, honestly. Um, and they're the them and De La Soul are the two groups that I think of first when I think of alternative rap. A Tropical Quest, I probably think of first. Um, and they have a uh, well, they had multiple, uh, several notable singles that were released, including like songs like award and like individual songs, songs like award tour scenario, um, and one of their later ones, uh, or their last single, "We the People," which I would say is, I mean, really influential song in my opinion, really important song, um, all time great song, um. Really, I mean, you look at all their albums, and it was like, even like you look at an album like uh, The Love Movement. It was an, a decent album by their standard, but really if a lot of artists, a lot of artists had released it, that would be like their best album. Same thing with like Beats, or Beats and Rhymes especially, but I mean, um, 
like I mean, in terms of the albums that I would say are all time great albums by them, the ones that the one that I would say most people think of is rightfully so is Low End Theory. Um one of the best rap albums of all time. Um and then you also have their debut album, People's Instinctive Travels and The Paths of Rhythm, Midnight Marauders, and their final album, We Got It From Here, Thank You For Your Service. That one, I think, is a... Oh, that was such a good album. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if I was to create a top 100 album, top, of top list of top 100 albums. It would surprise me if this one even made the top 50. Um, yeah, they... Um, I mean, I would love for them to get in. It wouldn't surprise me if they don't. Unfortunately, uh, they probably, I mean, they, I mean, they've been largely, they've been, they, they retired the project after a uh, five dog passed away. Um, but still had released the guy from here. Thank you for your service after he had passed, which, uh, I'm pretty sure he had passed first, but, um, but yeah, he uh Yeah, he did pass first, but yeah, really important rap group, uh extremely influential in alternative rap, jazz rap, and also uh I didn't mention this, but Eric Mayor came uh also really important uh East Coast hip hop groups. So uh yeah, that's the nominees. Interesting class. Um Never would have predicted those acts, but uh, in terms of, I mean, I don't have a vote, but if I had a vote, I don't know who I'd vote for. Um, I would say uh, two rap groups that got nominated, I would say definitely. Um, probably say Oasis. Um, actually, I'd definitely say Oasis. Um, otherwise, I'm not sure. Um, Ozzy is possible. Jay's Addiction is possible. Uh, Mary J. Blige is possible. Um, I would say those three were probably the most likely ones that I would consider um, for the last three, for the last two spots. Um, but I would also still consider, like, uh, I would still consider Mariah Carey, Cool and the Gang, uh, Cher. Even though, I, what, even with what I said, I would still consider Sinead O'Connor. Um, and then, uh, in terms of who I think will get in, Foreigner and Peter Frampton. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if Sinead O'Connor gets in. Um, otherwise, I'm not sure. I think Cher would probably get in, but I'm not sure. I don't remember if I just said her, but it's for the fifth one, if, they're, if they do five. I don't know. Probably either Mary J. Blige or Cool in the Gang. Um... If I were to guess right now, but I don't know. I I think I want to think a little bit before we get to that. Um, and one other thing that I want to talk about. Um, uh, so I mentioned briefly, I'm not going to do a top five list just because I, the episode so late. But one thing I meant to mention previously, but... Uh, so um, when I discussed Coachella's lineup, um, I one thing that I mentioned was that Sublime is 
reuniting. Um, but, uh, and they're, uh, excuse me, they're reuniting with, uh, Bradley Noel's son, uh, Jacob Noel, who has gotten praised as a singer on his own anyways. Um, they, uh, Um, they, uh, with their reuniting, they've all, they've already been, they were already announced for Coachella. Um, they are also, uh, and they, but they have said that they are doing other festivals. I don't know if. I don't know if they have any others booked right now. Um, I guess they also are doing one Right Side Music Festival, which I'm not as familiar with, but... Um, oh, okay, I guess them for 11... Goldfinger Story of the Year, a few other acts. Um, but yeah, so they have said that they're doing other music festivals. The reason that I bring this up is because it wouldn't surprise me if um, if if Riot Fest, because I said it wouldn't surprise me if Riot Fest tries to get No Doubt. It wouldn't surprise me if they can't get No Doubt if they go hard for Sublime. I think that one would Honestly, I think actually that would make a lot of sense for them to book them. And uh, I could, and because they do try to get at least one act that's reunited, I it wouldn't surprise me if they shoot hard to book them. Um, that's it for today. Thank you for, the, thank you for listening. I know this is a long episode. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Be on the lookout for a blog post for feeling groupy and is baller trademarked yet. Uh, like, the Facebook pages for Grouping Harmony is well trademarked yet, and I'll talk to you all soon. Bye.